0: Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We've been talking about sealing for quite some time. On the 19th of January, 2019, the Lord visited us, and that with a word, seal my people by my word. As I am sending the angel from the east, having to seal the living God, so send I you. We started the podcast immediately after that to obey the word of the Lord. And this last day work of the ministry that God has called the whole body for, which is fitly framed together and compacted. It's through the supply of the Spirit that God will do this last day work of the ministry, which the body of Christ is called for. It's not just one preacher, an apostle, a prophet, a bishop, a pastor, no evangelist or Pastor teachers, it's, it will be a work of the ministry in and through the body of Christ. And so he said, Well, where is that? I thought we were pre-tribulation raptured out, and there's nothing else to be revealed in the last day. And that's because we have not realized that the work of the ministry, with this gospel of the kingdom, being preached into all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. It is a one God. Jesus' only doctrine, that he is the blessed and only potentate. That's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirit. The man, Christ Jesus, is that spirit. He is the Lord, and the Lord is that spirit. And that will be preached in all the world, not a trinity, not a binary, not a oneness doctrine, but a Jesus-only doctrine of Christ, that real Jesus in that revelation of Jesus, will be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end will come. Not a false doctrine. Not a false Christ. But Jesus Christ. So as we see, many have seen, well, even evil, evil men are seducers, waxing worse and worse, and there is no last day great move of God. Saying well, it's just going to get worse and worse. So wait until the rapture and we'll be gone. And then that's when all hell will break loose. That's totally wrong. Now, Jesus has stated, I'll be with you into the even, to the end of the world. Amen. He said that in Matthew 28 19. He also said that it's in Revelation 19 with the armies of heaven. That will come down and the spirit, the spirits of just men made perfect will then be literally the born again ones that were, that died in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those bodies of flesh and blood that have corrupted will be raised from the dead. Just as Job said. Though skin worms eat my body, yet in my flesh I will see God. Speaking of the resurrection. So the spirit, the spirits of just men made perfect, will reunite with a glorified body in resurrection. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in weakness, raised in power as we have borne the earthly tabernacle, so will we also bear the heavenly spiritual bodies, our vile body fashioned alike unto Jesus' holy body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. So what is this work? Judgment will God lay to the line, and righteousness to the planet. It's the judgments of God that when the judgments are in the earth, Men will learn righteousness, that he is God and there's not another. Righteousness is not just being right. Biblical righteousness is the revelation of Jesus Christ. As he stated in John 16, when the Holy Ghost reproves a world of righteousness, because I go to my Father. I proceeded from the Father, Jesus said. I came into the world, died, buried, rose again, and went back. To the Father, not around him, not beside him, to him, glorified with the Father's own self. So, therefore, Jesus said, in that day, you will ask in my name, in the name of Jesus, because it's been glorified above all names, as exalted above the heavens. And you will ask in my name, and I say not. And I'll pray the Father for you. For the, all that the Father has, he has given unto me. That's righteousness. Now, the forerunner has already entered in. So we, the body of Christ, will, through the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus, enter in also the captain of our salvation being made perfect through sufferings and learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We, the body of Christ, will do the same. So during this time of great tribulation, it'll be a time that we, the body of Christ, will be judged with judgment first beginning at the house of God. And the righteous scarcely being saved means with difficulty. And we find that in Deuteronomy 32. This work that God will do, for the Lord will judge his people. And repent himself of the evil of that tribulation, of that trouble, when he sees their power is gone. Not Holy Ghost power, but their human power, literally ceasing from our own labors and entering into the rest of God. And that is through the judgments of God. He said, If you then, if it be that you suffer with Jesus, you will also reign with him. And this is affliction, which is only but for a moment. The sufferings that we go through are not to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in each one of us in the body of Christ. So the greatest move of God is just ahead. We've had the former reign. That was in Acts, the second chapter. On the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. One thing we want to note is that cloven tongues of fire appeared and sat on each one of them. Well, that was a wonderful move of God in Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, But Now, in the last days, will be a far greater move of God for his ministers will be changed into a flame of fire. His angels his ministering spirits for them who are heirs of salvation, but he makes his ministers a flame of fire, not just clothing tongues of fire setting on them, but literally, I will make you fire and the Holy One over you for a flame, and it will go through the land, and the judgments of God will be revealed. And the wicked will be ashes under the righteous feet. Before then, he said, I send you Elijah, that prophet, that restoration prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. What's this restoration, restitution of all things? Why is it necessary? Because Acts 3.21, the heavens must receive Jesus until... The restitution of all things. All things are the things of faith. All things are all faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the restitution or restoration of all things is the body of Christ coming into all truth. And we see it in 1 John 2.20. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you have no need that any man teach you. For it's given to you that you know all things and you know all truth and no lies of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that deny that Jesus is the Christ. He's Antichrist that has denied both the Father and the Son. Why? Because Christ will be revealed. That he is God and there's not another. That he is that spirit. Just as declared in Peter's epistle. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11 that the Old Testament prophets search diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. That's a capital S. It's God Almighty. Christ is that Spirit. God is a Spirit. Christ is that Spirit. When he signified beforehand, when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So it behooved Christ to suffer, die, bury, rose again, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name and enter into his glory with that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name, Jesus. Christ is that spirit, always has been the spirit of God. And that's the revelation that will be given to all that's in the earth and all shall know him from the least to the greatest. Not them, no Trinity, not a binary, not a, not a oneness doctrine, but Jesus' only doctrine will be revealed. It'll be the greatest move of God this world's ever seen. We've had the former rain moderately, but he's going to cause to come down the last great rain of his strength. Has it happened yet? No. He's preparing us now. Is the latter rain here yet? No. Not yet, but it will be. He's preparing the body of Christ for it now. And there will be another suddenly as that rushing mighty wind of the Holy Ghost. And it will be the last great rain of his strength. And that is what we read in Revelation 11. We're going to be measured. Who's worthy? Who's worthy to enter into this kingdom? This power of God. Power given to his two servants. And those are the witness, the testimony of Jesus. We find that Jesus stated, it was a reed like unto a rod, John said, given unto me, saying, rise, measure the temple. Well, we know that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're not our our own, but we're bought with a price. Measure the temple and the altar. That's your sacrificial life. Presenting your bodies the living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And them that worship therein, the true worshipers, worship God in spirit and in truth. Got to have the truth. If we do not receive the truth, we're not a true worshiper. But the court which is without, leave out, measure it not. Why? Because the rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked only on the righteous. And if we be without chastening, then are we bastards and not sons. Now, no chastening seemeth to be joyous at that time, but afterward, yieldeth the peaceable fruits of what? Righteousness. So it's through this judgment not to destroy us that must begin at the house of God and not for us to be literally Uh, thrown away or cast away, but that we'd be protectors of of his suffering, so we'd be protectors of his glory. And it'll be a balancing of the clouds. And they will wonder, is the glory that's to be revealed in us, revealed in us, the same as the sufferings? And they will discuss that in the balancing of the clouds. And truly, those that suffer with God for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ will reign with him as a joint heir and equal heir with Christ. But tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That is God's love that he commanded us to have. A commandment I give you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you. That's God's love. And there will be manifest. This love of God that constrains us. That compels us to walk in the light as he's in the light. That we have fellowship one with another. another, And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The move of God in the last day reign is the last uh, move of God in the great reign of his strength. It's not revival. Revival is after the second day. After that second day, he said, I will revive you. But Hosea 6 tells us that we will suffer. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn. Who did? God did. And he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up, the body of Christ. After the second day, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up. Now, we're in the third day now. A day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years, and we're in 2021. If Jesus was born 3 B.C., 2024, and there, after that second day, in that third day, which we are in now, God will raise us up. We will live in his sight. He goes on and says, If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he will come to us as the rain, not a rapture, a rain. The former, that was Acts, the second chapter, the embryonic church, and the latter. The latter rain is the last great rain of his strength, and that is not in Pentecost. It's not another Pentecostal move. It is the season of tabernacles. You find that in Haggai, the second chapter, that the ceiling, or the signet, which is the sign, is Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's land, hands have laid the foundation. Zerubbabel's hands will finish it, Zachariah 4. And Haggad, too, he said, the signet, the sign I'm giving you, is rubable. And this is on the 21st day of the seventh month. Not Pentecost, not the Feast of Weeks, but a long time at the end of the harvest season, the last great harvest, not of just wheat and barley or corn, corn harvest, which was in Pentecost, but the oil and wine harvest of the fruit harvest, gathering all corn harvest and fruit harvest in the last days. It'll be the power of God as in the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. This is the Rosh Hashanah. This is the new thing. This is the new year. This is the new wine that God is doing now. Those that have an ear to hear know that the greatest work of God that the body of Christ will ever literally obtain and be in and through Christ is yet to be revealed in these last days. There remaineth a great reign, the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, Zechariah 10, 1 tells us, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds, send forth showers to everyone, grass in the field. But Amos 7 also tells us this latter growth that we're going to see in the latter rain of the Holy Ghost is after the king's mowings, the ones that are not pressing toward the mark that are at ease in Zion. He says, woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion. He said, I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish all them that are settled on their lees." We are to stir ourselves up. We're to press toward that mark for that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is not the former reign. It's the final last great reign of his strength And he says there in Haggai 2, that there will be a shaking of the nations. And the desire of all nations will come, Jesus Christ. All the silver and gold is mine, saith God. And I will make the glory of the latter house greater than that of the former. How long will this reign last? Three and one half years. When will it be? Very soon. Because it's evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. Evil comes in like a flood. God will raise up a standard against him. That standard is Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Revelation 11, we're measured. And John is given a reed like unto a rod to measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. But that court which is without, leave out and measure it not. And the holy city shall be trodden underfoot forty and two months, time, times and a half, three and a half years, a thousand, two hundred and threescore days. And I will give power unto my two servants. These are two prophets, not apostles, because why are they called prophets? Because they're bringing the words of the book of this prophecy to the people. Is it little two prophets? No. God, and in sundry times and divers manners, spaken to the fathers by the prophets. That was Old Testament. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. All things are the things of faith. He's bringing many sons unto glory. So there who the Lord did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, not just a few, a great harvest of souls, in this last day harvest of souls. And those that he predestinated, whom he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But this glory, before the glory, there is a commensurate sufferings in the body of Christ. And that's the reason why. Paul tells the church at Rome. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. And heirs of Christ, and joint heirs with Christ, then if it be that you suffer with him, the sufferings are there. Why? First Peter 4:1 tells us, For as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise. With the same mind, be ye therefore likewise minded, the mind of Christ. And those are the ones that will be sealed in their forehead. Those are the ones that have the mind of Christ in Revelation 7. Those that have the mind of Christ, he said, will be sealed. And it's through the sufferings. Because he said, be therefore likewise minded, for Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Why? That we may cease from sin. So 1 Peter 4, 1 is definitely in action today. For as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Be therefore likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, not as an evildoer, but as a born again child of God. And he said that our sufferings that we are going to go through are not to be compared. With the glory, it's nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And he tells us what it is. Our faith groweth exceedingly through these times and testings and trials, and the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. How did you get that charity? Well, you added to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. Charity, which is not just love, but charity is a love for God based in doing His will. I can love God and never do the will of God. Charity is doing the will of God, it's based in the Word of God in obedience, not just hear of the Word, but a doer of the Word. That is so essential. It's imperative that we believe God in obedience. For whosoever we yield our members, as servants to obey him are the servants to whom we obey whether of obedience under righteousness and there goes unto holiness or of sin unto death which is carnal minded and he that is carnal minded is dead to be carnally minded is death to be spiritually minded is life and peace in the lord jesus so if we walk in the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but we will suffer. And suffering goes right along with it for that the body of the sins of the flesh, which were destroyed by baptism, that literally born of the Spirit, then it starts sanctification in that newborn believer, that newborn babe in Christ. And as we grow, this tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience. Experience worketh that hope in us. And it is that sufferings that Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things. Look at the sufferings he had. And who cannot but dung, refuge, that I might win Christ. Win Christ? Yes. For if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Partakers of his sufferings, you will be partaker of his glory. Think it not strange the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Why, that the glory of God may rest upon you. So it's commensurate. Your sufferings, if you're a partaker of the sufferings, Second Corinthians, the first chapter, you'll also be a partaker of the consolation. If you no suffer with Christ, then you cannot. Crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust. Because the Holy Ghost, whose fan is in his hand, he will truly purge his floor and that with fire. So think it not strange that fiery trial was just to try you. Why? As though some strange thing happened to you. That's what we hear in the churches. No, you're not appointed to that. That's wrath. No. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. You're protectors of his sufferings. Why? So you can be protectors of his glory. There is no other way. And when you understand that, then you count it all a joy when you fall into divers temptations. Though your faith be tried as by fire, that it may come forth as pure gold. And there's your key. That's a key to the understanding that the judgment of God is for the body of Christ to come forth in righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him, through him, by him. So there in the last days, there's a great tribulation. That judgment will begin at the house of God. We see that also. Peter stated, judgment must first begin at the house of God. And the righteous Those that are right with God, walking in the spirit of life, scarcely be saved. That means with difficulty, with tribulation, with persecution. Why? Because your faith groweth exceedingly. What? Through these trials. Without these trials, you couldn't overcome. And you overcome through the word. And the charity of every one of you, the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. That's God's love for the brethren. You in the body of Christ Preferring your brother above your own self. That you love one another, even as I've loved you. So if he died for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We'll have our opportunity. We'll have our opportunity to do so. In this last great reign of his strength, Jesus showed his love by sacrificing. Hereby perceiving the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 3, 16. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is charity abounding one toward another. You've added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and you've reached that mark of charity. The final epoch, the final glorification, the glory that will be revealed in the body of Christ. You reach that level of sealing of fathers through charity, obedience, unto righteousness. And when you do, when that which is perfect has come, charity, then all that which is in part will be done away with. You see, now we see through a glass darkly, but then we'll see face to face. What is that face? God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. For the Lord is that spirit. That's the first revelation we have to give. We have to get it and receive it and preach it. That Jesus is that spirit. He is the Lord. And the Lord is that spirit. He is the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. He is the Christ in you. He is the quickening spirit. The man Christ Jesus is that quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 1545. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What do you do with the liberty? That's the liberty in the Holy Ghost. Stand therefore in the liberty, wherein Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We don't want to build those things again, which we have destroyed, yet lest we become transgressors. We're going on to the measure. We don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. He that putteth his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back to Pentecost. Look forward ahead to tabernacles. Don't look at the former reign. Look forward to the latter reign, the last great reign of his strength. The greatest move of God is just ahead for the body of Christ as he's preparing us now for the work of the ministry. This charity that will abound one toward another, it did it in the former reign. But now it's going to do it in the last great reign of his strength. Not just a corn harvest of wheat and barley, but fruit harvest of oil and wine. The last great reign of his strength. And uh, that charity abounds one to another through the sufferings we have. And he goes on and says in Second Thessalonians, the first chapter, that this charity abounds one toward another, we're bound to thank God for you and all your tribulations and persecutions that you endure. Because all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They said, oh, Brother Beard, you know, we've heard that you were attacked and they said all manner of evil things against you. Of course, and it will you too. We all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But look at the source. Look at the ones that attack. Jesus said, my people, you attacked them, and they turned the other cheek. They did not revile back against you. They held their peace. They committed judgment to the Lord God Almighty, for vengeance is mine, I will repay. But these strikers, these haters of God, will attack in the last days to the point that those that kill you will think that they did God a service. You see that in John sixteenth chapter, verse one. Jesus said, Behold, I have forewarned you that you should not be offended. Because it's not just coming from a wicked world, it's coming from brethren, perils of brethren, just like Paul said it would. A man's enemies will be those of his own household, those that are supposed to be Christians. And that is where the fight will be. And not all the church is going to be saved because it says that those some in the faith that are in the truth that have been newborn babes, born of the water and the spirit, have gone to little children, know that Jesus is the father. They've known the father. But when it comes about doing the will of God and this sufferings and this great trials and tribulations and the great persecution and the great tribulation that we're going to go through, they'll say, oh, no, no, that's not God. That is not he. They'll just say as mystery Babylon, I said, a queen, I am no widow. I will see no sorrow. I will have no tribulation or persecution. I'll have no birth pains. That doesn't apply to me. He loves me, and I'm already there. In other words, boasting in the flesh. But the ones that do know their God, those are the ones that will suffer. Those are the ones, uh, they said, not only, I'll forewarn you, not only will they take you and throw you out of the synagogues and the churches, Yea, the time cometh that whosoever kills you will think that he did God a service. Why? Well, this will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Jesus is the Father because they do not know that. They do not have the revelation of Christ. They are antichrist. What is the antichrist? Well, very basically, John said it, 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar but he that not That Jesus is the Christ. He is that spirit that made himself a body of flesh and blood, died, buried, rose again, and went back to his former glory. Therefore, he said, who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist. Why? Because you deny that Jesus is the Christ? Yes. He is Antichrist that hath denied the Father. Why would he deny the Father? Because Christ is the Father. And he's denied the Son. Well, how can he deny both? Because Christ is the Father. He is the Spirit. And the Son, because he is the Father revealed. The Father's invisible Spirit. Jesus is that invisible Spirit made visible. He's expressed image of his person, his singular person. There's only one God, one Spirit. And for that reason, they said, they'll kill you and they will attack you. And all that live godly in Christ Jesus that proclaim this Jesus will suffer persecution. You can count on it. Jesus said it. He stated it. And he said, if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more would call those of his household Beelzebub, prince of the devils. They will attack you just as they did Paul. Made a gazing stock for men and of angels. Set forth as apostles, he said, last, as a gazing stock to all people. And Paul said, we're trouble on every side. I mean, north, south, east, and west, we're trouble on every side, but we're not in distress. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted. Why? Because he's in the truth, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. They'll cast down... The truth, the truth will be cast down, but it will not be destroyed. There's your revelation. In the Antichrist, well, for a time times and a half, three and a half years, forty two months, prevail against the saints, the church of the living God, the ecclesia. He will cast truth to the ground. Daniel eleven tells us so. Arms will stand on his part. He will he will forecast his devices and prosper like a prophet. And he will divide the prey among the people. And they'll say, who's able to make war against the beast? Who's able to make war against him? All arms stand on his part. And at that time, that that is determined will be done. God will destroy her. Why? Because this great persecution against the saints. And it says, it casts truth to the ground. But Paul said, yes. You know, we, the truth is casted down. We're cast down because we're proclaiming we're the truth. But we're not destroyed. You cannot destroy the truth. The truth always will prevail. And those that stand for truth, get ready, because you will have your opportunity to seal your testimony with your own blood. That's the difference between a hired harling and those that are for real. They are ones that are hired harlings will literally flee from trouble, free from tribulation. They'll leave the flock seeking to save their own little souls. But the good shepherd, he stays with the sheep. And thereby, you'll know him. The hired harling, the the one that's preaching for money, will flee because he's a hired harling. He's for money. He never was for the word of God. He's a hired harling, and that's the reason God said, I'm against you, pastors, because you have sheared my sheep and you haven't fed them. You know, you've learned a few scriptures, and a little blessing plan, but you never lifted up the cross. Now, crossless Christianity. You never did tell my people that the cross is required for a believer as soon as he follows Jesus. A crucified life is required that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said in Luke 12, sell that you have. Somebody said, oh, no, no, that was for them back then. Well, Jesus said it. Sell that you have. Sell your substance. Provide for yourselves treasures in the heavens. What do you do with it? Give alms, offerings. Sell that you have and give alms. Somebody said, well, he didn't tell me to do that. It's in the gospel, friend. The gospel according to Luke, Luke 12. Sell that you have and give alms, alms, uh, offerings. Provide for yourselves. For yourself. Somebody said, how can you provide for yourself? You're selling everything. Yes, that's right. Because if you will be perfect, sell that you have. Called unto perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide for yourselves treasures in the heavens where moth and rust is not corrupt. Thieves do not break through and steal. Somebody said, I'm supposed to work all my life and just give it away. You're not just giving it away. You are providing yourselves treasures in the heavens. How did you do that? By picking Jesus over mammon, over money. Somebody said, well, so I'm supposed to work all my life, hold back a little savings, get a 401k, maybe a little print profit sharing plan, and then sell it all. Well, if you believe God, he said, consider the lilies. They toil not, neither did they spin. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's that? the righteousness, which is by faith. Well, that certainly has to have faith. Somebody said, have you done it, Brother Yes, I did. Well, have you regret? Absolutely not. Why? Because he said, do it, and he would take care of you. Sell that you have. Give alms. Provide for yourself, not for somebody else. Provide for yourself treasures in the heavens. Somebody said, Well, I'll wait until I'm about to die, and then I'll give a large offering to the church and buy my way in. No. No, it's a crucified life. You've got to crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust. It's called sanctification, that you might be presented blameless, both holy, blameless, both spirit, soul, and body. So, who's he speaking to there? Every believer. Sell that you have and give alms. Why? Provide for yourselves. Provide yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. thieves do not break through and steal. Why? Don't I need that? God knows you have need of these things. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. That takes Faith, my friend. When a person sells out, God deals with them differently. If you will be perfect to the young, rich, young ruler, sell that you have. He went away sorrowful. He had a chance to be one of the apostles, the disciples of Jesus. He told the young, rich, rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest, sell that you have, and give to the poor. Go pick up your cross, come follow me. He could have been one of the 12. He could have been another disciple added there. But he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had much riches. And Jesus said a profound statement. How hardly shall those that have riches enter into the kingdom of heaven? It astounded the, the disciples. said, Well, then who then can be saved? Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. With God, all things are possible. There, that rich man, one thing thou lackest. He kept the law. He thought he he was fine. But Luke 12 has nothing to do with the rich young ruler. He's talking to the body of Christ, to all that will hear, sell that you have. Give alms, give offerings. What are you doing there? becoming totally poverty-stricken? You're just, you know, you're just desolate? You're destitute all of a sudden? No. You have provided yourselves with treasures in the heavens where moth and rust does not corrupt and thieves and not break through and steal. There's a the promise with that, friend. Those that have left houses and lands forsaken all. Mark says shall receive in this lifetime a hundredfold more. In this lifetime, that's a hundredfold blessing. And in the life to come, life everlasting. My, my. You don't hear that preached. Somebody said, well, that's a cult. That's a Bible. (laughs) But you don't move and you don't do anything without the leading of the Holy Ghost. You have to be to that point where God can deal with you as a full-grown, not as a baby, because when you come to that full-grown, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, When I was a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. I didn't understand these things. But well, When I became a man, I put away these childish things. What's he talking about? They're about a faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is not faith. It's not hope. It's charity and obedience unto righteousness. What is that righteousness? That they have forsaken all. And Jesus stated, except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Somebody said, oh, no, that's, that, that was for them back then. It's the word of God today. There we have ministers here with us that have sold everything they had. We take that, it's living in mobile homes, and we have no one goes without, and we take that money and go to the foreign fields, going to Africa, going to India, and uh, God will move and bless those that do it. Why? Because they have obeyed, From the heart, the commandment of God. Sell that you have. Give alms. What are you doing? Becoming desolate? Becoming poverty stricken? No, you're providing yourself treasures in the heavens (laughs) where moth and rust doth not corrupt. You can have all this down here and have millions and trillions of dollars in the bank and just like that overnight, have a financial depression. And all of a sudden, a catastrophic events, and all the money is down the drain. And people start jumping out of windows, taking guns, committing suicide. Why? Because their hopes in mammon. But riches do not, does not continue from generation to generation. It fails. And all that will be rich fall into diverse temptations. And many hurtful lust. Well, that's what the world goes after. Money, money, money. Get the money. If you go getting more money, you'll be happy. You'll be blessed. And yet, we find the ones that make more money, and the more they make, the more money they make, then the more they won't. And it's as a grave that cannot be filled. It is an impossible goal to obtain. The thirst is never satisfied. And at the end, living for money, their God is their mammon money. Then they have the last fruits of their labors. All you'll either, you cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus said so, God and money. Somebody said, well, I give a tithe. Well, I'm talking about the last day move of God. I'm talking about the sold out bunch. I'm talking about the ones that come unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man that are going to be used in this last day work of the ministry. The last day glory of God revealed in through the body of Christ that will on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be the manifested sons of God to wit the redemption of our bodies. We'll receive the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. We'll be presented blameless, both spirit, soul, and body. Why? Because we've obeyed the word of God from the heart, the truth. Not just with lip service. Say, well, I love God in word and in tongue, but not in deed and in truth. And that's the reason why when you're sitting there in a foreign field with another believer that has sold out and gave alms, You know that their consecration is real. That they have considered themselves dead to sin, but alive unto God. They reckon themselves dead, crucified, the flesh with the affections and the lust. Somebody said, uh, are you telling us that we've got to say, I'm not telling you anything. The Holy Ghost is the one that moves on the believers that are called for this last day work. God, the rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked. The wicked won't even they'll laugh at that. Sell <laughs> out loud, what, what kind of a deal is that? They'll laugh at that. They'll think that's the stupidest thing they've ever heard. That is the most ludicrous thing they've ever heard in their life. And laugh at it. How did the ones that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. You find those ones over there that were living in caves, sheepskins, goatskins, whom the world was not worthy. The women receiving their, their dead back to life again. They didn't receive uh, deliverance. Why? Routing for themselves a better resurrection. They knew what suffering meant, they knew what the cross meant. But today we live in a crossless Christianity. We don't understand what it means to sacrifice. Jesus was watching people giving offerings and the rich threw in according to their abundance. There was a widow that only had two mites, just a few cents. And he looked and said, this poor widow, out of her penury, her her being totally poverty-stricken, has given more than they all. Why? Because it's in the sacrificial giving that you move God. Anybody can give of their abundance. It means nothing to them. If they have millions or billions of dollars, well, here's a couple hundred thousand, take it and go. It means nothing. But to that little widow, all she had was a couple of mites. Few cents and she threw in all she had. And Jesus said, she has given more than they all. Why? Because it was a sacrificial giving. It's all in sacrifice. If you love someone, you will sacrifice for them. If you love Jesus, it won't be just love and word and tongue, but indeed, what sacrificing for him? Putting your life upon the altar of sacrifice. Being not conformed to this world, but being that altar that you lay down your life to find the will of God. There's only one way to know the will of God and know the voice of God. There's no other way. People say, well, I know the voice of God because they prayed for a parking spot at Walmart and they got it and think that's God. And God speaks to them every five minutes. They have dream after dream after dream, spiritualist, but no cross in their life. No glory. No real Jesus manifest in that, in that person. Why? Because... They're after the world. Any man love the world, the love of the father's, not in him. What's of the world? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. The world passes away in the lust thereof. Somebody said, well, I'm going to leave my business to my son or my daughter or whatever. Well, to what end? Riches don't endure from generation to generation. And the world tells you, the world says, "Who he who has the goal makes the rules. That's their golden rule. Look out for number one, because if you don't, no one else will. <laughs> well, I know it's ludicrous. Because Jesus said that those that condescend to men of low estate before their brethren among themselves, that commandment that, You love one another as I have loved you. Be willing to lay down your life for the brethren. Now, that's a love that only the sacrificial life can bring. And we're right back, and I'll close with this. In Romans 12, verse 1, the only way you can know the voice of God and obey it in obedience to make heaven, because if you do not do the will of God for your individual particular life, and we do not do the will of God, we will not be able to enter into heaven. We won't be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus stated that in Matthew 7. Not all that saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Lord, Lord, means that you have been born again. No man can call Jesus the Lord except by the Holy Ghost. They knew he is the Lord, the God of glory. Jesus, the Father. They knew it, but Jesus said, there's not all of you that saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. What? Surely you don't mean that, Lord. I mean, after all, we were newborn babies. We we're born of the water and the spirit, and we've known that you're the father. We call you Lord, and no man can call you Lord except by the Holy Ghost, but Jesus said, you will not be, some of you will not be able to enter in. They call me Lord, Lord, because you did not do the will of God. There was a particular will for you to do, and you didn't do it. Whatever you were called to do, you didn't find the leading of the Holy Ghost, know the voice, and obey it. You didn't do it. And because of that, you didn't enter. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, my Lord, how can it be? Well, we're told an easy believism today. Just shake the preacher's hand, join up, ask Jesus to come in your heart, and you've got it. No, friend, you don't. That's a lie. Search out the other book and read. Not one of these things will fail. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they that testify of me. Are you going to bank your eternal life forever and ever and ever and ever well, where there is no end, where the worm dieth not and the fire's not quenched. Own someone else's word, do you? Be it an apostle or a prophet or a evangelist pastor or a teacher or a bishop or whoever or a denomination. Are you going to bank your life on that? You see, the ones in Berea were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica because with the word of God Paul preached, they received it with all readiness of mind. But they searched the scriptures to see if the things Paul preached were so. Therefore, the word of God says they were more noble. The ones in Berea were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica because they searched those scriptures daily to see if what Paul preached was so. And if you search the scriptures, the devil, when you hear a person and you're in the world and you've got the world wrapped around you and all you're hearing is the world, well, then you hear a man of God preach, and you'll say, oh, the devil will immediately say, that is a devil. Don't, don't follow that. But then when you get the word of God out, in the Bible, the word of God, and you start searching that scripture, and you say, oh, well, this man is preaching the word of God. There it is. And he's bringing it in the light and leading of the Holy Ghost. Well, now that word is true. Not in the letter only, but in the Spirit, giveth life. And you know that life is coming alive in your body. You can feel it. How do I know Jesus lives? Because he lives in you. Paul put it this way. I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I. Well, Paul, if it's not you living, who is it? Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, do you feel that faith? Yes, you do. Do you feel the leading of the Holy Ghost? Yes, you do. Do you hear the voice of the Lord leading you? Yes, you do. How did you get there? There's only one way, and that's through obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1, Paul talking to the brethren, the body of Christ, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service don't lie to him don't don't try to make a bargain with him holy and acceptable be truthful with him he already knows your heart and present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service he made you he knows what you need to do and he knows how you can find peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, and above all, love, love of God that passes all understanding. And after that, you've you presented your body living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You start this life of not being conformed to the world. You're coming out of the world. You're saying, world, I don't, I don't want what you want. I'm going to walk in repentance. I'm going to walk in the word of God, what it says do. That's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden now, the devil can't touch you. The wicked one touches you not. And everything you go through is God through a chastening to get you full grown in the measure of the stature, the fullness of Jesus Christ. God worketh in you to do. Both are willing to do of his good pleasure. And you can feel that working. That grace is not just an unmerited favor of God. It is a dynamic move. You can feel it in you. The Holy Ghost beareth witness with your spirit. You can feel it. That you're sons of God. And you're not conformed to this world, you put the world away. You say, God, I want to do your will. Not my will, but yours do your will be done. And when you do that, then you've got God's attention. He watches over his word. And God cannot lie. What he has spoken is forever settled in heaven. The heavens and earth will pass away, but my word, God said, will never pass away. That is the only thing that you know is the truth. The only truth there is, is the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed. There starts a transformation. Day by day, eating, the flesh of Jesus, drinking his blood, day by day, seeking his face, day by day, crucifying your flesh, your earthly desire to do the will of God. Not conform to this world. The world means nothing. You're crucified to the world. The world's crucified unto you. And be you transformed. You start that transformation. Though the outward man is perishing, yet that inward man is renewed day by day in the fullness and the likeness of Jesus Christ. And he's the one doing it. It's him, God in you, working. Both are willing to do. And for the first time in your life, you'll have peace because you're doing the will of God. You're doing what you were created for. You're not going against God's will, kicking against the pricks, kicking against the front of a plow. That's hurt, that hard. And wonder why we have ulcers and pains and blood pressure and and all kinds of diseases and all this kind of stuff is because we're going against what we were created to do. And it becomes a mental process of where there is no peace. But God has given us love, power, and of a sound mind. Because when you do the will of God, the peace of God, that passes all understanding comes upon you you know you've done the will of God. There, you've become transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have a mind that the world cannot get to. You have a mind of Christ. You have a mind that will be sealed in the final consummation of things in Revelation 7 for the work of the ministry. Not just so you'll be able to stand through the Woe, woe, woe be unto the inhabitants of the earth, and without that seal will not be able to stand, but the seal and authority of God to do his will in the last days. The power of God unto salvation will be manifest in and through you. Not some little fairy tale and some little Bible story that somebody tells you, but you will be a living epistle, a power of God in and through you as a vessel. Meet for the master's use. There's only one way. You've got to have that transformation. To be transformed. You'll be different from the world. They'll know you're different. They can see that mark of Jesus on you. They can see the seal of God on you. Just as we can see the, see the mark of the beast in their forehead or in their right hand. Why in their right hand? Because it's the work that they do. You see, there in the last days, the Antichrist, has two horns like a lamb. We'll think well. It looks like a lamb. Has some power like a lamb. It's got signs, miracles, and lying wonders, but it speaks as a dragon. grow out of the heart the mouth speaketh. It will never do the will of God. That's the reason of mystery Babylon, the great the woman, that rides upon that scarlet colored beast, has purple, scarlet, purple, all manner of precious stones, etc. But she cannot wear the blue. Why? She'll never do the will of God. Blue is heavenly, the Father. She will not do it. She says, I said a queen. She will deny the cross. She will not say that you've got to suffer. Crucify your flesh with the affections and the lust. Ultimately, in the full Father's coming into perfection, selling all that you, all that you have to provide these alms for the body of Christ, showing your love for God. You provide yourselves a treasure in the heaven. Treasures in the heavens. Where moth and rust is not corrupt. These can't break through and steal that. Paul said, When you give, I seek. I seek treasures that, that are bound to your account in heaven. I don't need it. I don't need your money. I'll my own hand supply all that I do. And no man will take me and stop me in this glory. I owe nothing to any man. But I seek this on your account that these, what you give, may abound to your account in heaven. You've got a bank account there. It's not a bank account. It's a Jesus account. And all that you have set up to him will be your reward in heaven. Not just money, a sacrificial life, doing the will of God. It's one thing to talk it. It's another thing to do it. Oh, people will wrestle over the word about this, that, and the other. But what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance against which there is no law. And the only way you're going to get that, and the only way I'm going to get it, is to present our bodies a living sacrifice, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Get the mind of Christ, which will have the ultimate sealing of it, In our foreheads, the mind of Christ in Revelation 7, full grown, not babies, not little children, not young men, where the word of God is strong in us, but fathers. Fathers, because you've known him that's from the beginning. You know the will of God and you are full grown. You have grown up into Jesus in all things, all truth. And you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Why do you do that? Why do you present your body as a living sacrifice? Why do you get this transformation going? Any man love the world, the the Father's not him. You don't love the world anymore. You love God above that. You love God above all things. It starts a transformation. Well, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove. You're proving. What is the perfect will of God for your life? And that's the only way you can do it. You learn the voice of God through this transformation. You become obedient to the voice and leading of the Holy Ghost through your obedience. And the more that you serve God, the more you'll love him. And the more that God will be real in your life and you'll know the voice of God and being led of the spirit of God. Who are those? As many are led of uh, the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Led of the Spirit, not guessing. Well, I think that's God. I believe I'm going to do this, knowing it. Having the full assurance and confidence as you make your calling and election sure. If you have questions, give us a call. God is calling those of full age, All of those that are in Christ to a higher level. He's doing it now. Are we in it yet? No. Is the work of the ministry? Yes, it's coming. Is that latter rain coming? Yes, it is. It's coming. And he's getting those and preparing the body of Christ now for the sealing of the servants of God in their forehead, the mind of Christ. And these will be God's treasures, his diadems, in the day that they are spoken for. Know that your labors will receive a full reward in God. He is the one that has called you. His abundant blessings upon you and the love for you is an everlasting love. It's not a passing love. The love of God constrains us. It moves on us. We can feel it. It's in the grace and the glory of God upon you through your sufferings. All you have to do is be willing to crucify the flesh, your will with your affections and your lust, and you will be pleasing to your Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus. If the Spirit has bore witness with your spirit and God's calling the body of Christ into one now, we'd love to hear from you. We'd like to be one with you. In the unity of the faith, not a denomination. We're not seeking yours, but we're seeking you. If God is revealed and there's a truth there that you feel in God, give us a call. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office, Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can message us at any of our websites. If you have a question, please let us know. We'll do our best to answer it. You can message us on our websites, sealinggodspeople.com, sealinggodspeople.org, or dennisbeard.org. Well, we thank you for your prayerful support and your generous donations to this work. Without it, we can keep the podcast on the air for you. Well, until the next time. This is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the Real Jesus.